right, everybody, welcome to episode 24 of the Comedically Hard-Headed Podcast. Question. If you could travel back to the best years of your life, what years would they be, and why is it not middle school? (laughs) True question, because I think every time I ask anybody this, that's normally what they say. Middle school is never a part of the conversation because middle school is that time period a lot of people like to erase. It just wasn't a great time for a lot of folks. I always see it as a transitionary period in life. It's one of those periods where you really have no idea what's going on. You just know that you're building and working towards something, but you're not exactly sure what it is. It's kind of like completing a puzzle, but you don't have the picture to reference. And so you're just connecting pieces, but you don't really know what it is you're making. You just over here, let me connect this with that. And I guess this can go here and move. Oh, okay, that doesn't fit. Let's just keep going. And you know, you, you've connected five pieces and you look and you still got 800 more to go. <laughs> That's middle school. So let's jump into my middle school experience. Now at this point in time, I am excited. It's about a week before school is about to start and I'm finally going to what would be junior high or middle school. Cedar Crest Junior High. Now this was a school that was from seventh to ninth grade. And so I was excited. It just seemed like it was gonna be such a good time. You know, no more elementary. I'm finally done with sixth grade because where I was from, sixth grade was still elementary. So Camus Prairie Elementary, it's a wrap. See y'all later. And so yeah, this is about to be lit. I just knew that this experience was gonna be just like The Wood because at that point in time, The Wood was one of my favorite movies. I just knew that I was going to have this crew and we would just be super, super tight. And we were going to go to the dances and pool girls and we would get in stupid trouble and maybe a fight or two on occasion with other kids. And it was just going to be a a whole thing and house parties and hanging out and like sitting on top of the car till midnight. I don't know what world I was living in because now with the parents that I have, you're going to be in the house at eight o'clock, please. But anyway, so I'm excited. I'm just thinking all this was going to be lit. And a lot of that came from the fact that I was definitely one of those kids that like to follow the teenagers around and some of that stems from my experience in Italy because like I said some episodes back when I lived in Italy the elementary school the middle school and the high school was in the same building and we all rode on the same bus and so you get exposed to a whole lot and of course teenagers just seem so much cooler when you're you're nine or ten or eleven years old and you want to do everything they do because they just seem to be so much more free and you know so of course you you want to have that same experience and then even being a kid at church and wanting to sit by the teenagers because you knew they were going to have the most fun during church because you know if you got to sit through one of them eight hour sermons at least sit by somebody fun and so I was excited so it's about a week before school and my entire family, my mother, my father, and my brother and I, we are at a store called The Lineup. Now, The Lineup was a store in Spanaway that pretty much carried all of the apparel for anybody who would need clothing for schools that either had a dress code or uniforms. Cedar Crest Junior High was going to be a school that had a dress code. And so, me personally, I actually wasn't too bothered about the dress code. To be honest, I was actually excited because one, like I said in the last podcast episode, my parents did not believe in spending a lot of money on things that don't make sense. They're very frugal at this point in time. And so when it came to clothes, they weren't going out of their way to spend a whole lot of money on stuff. So in sixth grade, I kind of had somewhat of the cheesy clothes. You know, for, for my father, what made sense was, okay, we're at Kmart. I see this little striped shirt for $6. Put that in the basket. Oh, it's blue light special. Go and get two of them pairs of them khaki pants because them's about $11. Get two of those. You can wear that on Monday and on Wednesday. And then you put the other pair on for Tuesday and Thursday. Like, and no, we're not buying you no Jordans or nothing like that. So go ahead and get these Everlast. You put them things on. Let's go. That don't make no sense. You just need some shoes that you can walk in. You don't need to be having nothing all fancy because, one, you play too hard anyway. You run all around and 
neighborhood and scuff up everything. Ain't nobody spending no $55 on those shoes for you. That's too much money. You don't have no job. Yeah, right. And so I wasn't too pressed about having to wear the the dress code thing that we would have to wear because, hey, everybody had to wear the same thing. And this was also a time where, again, when you get to that middle school age, you start to really care about what other people think about you and how you look. And so I started to get a little insecure about my clothes around sixth grade because all the other kids were wearing all the fun clothes. And of course, I'm over here looking like one of the characters from the boxcar children, if you ever had to read those books back in the day. So, you know, I'm like, look, I want to have some fun clothes too. So I didn't mind having to wear a dress code because at least now everybody kind of looks the same. But even here, there was going to be a problem. Originally, I thought I was going to the lineup with Bobby and his dad and that my parents would just give me my money to go and purchase all the stuff I'm supposed to get for school and all would be well. (laughs) Not with these parents. My parents were like, absolutely not. First of all, we don't trust you with that much money to go get anything because one, you don't know how to shop because you're going to be in there trying to impress folks and you're going to come back with one shirt after spending $212. Absolutely not. And so... I was already annoyed because the whole family had to go. And like I said before, we did everything as a family. Like we would go to the mall together. We would go to the car wash together, to the restaurant together. And if you follow this podcast, even when I learned how to drive, the whole family was in the car. And so I'm already annoyed because, you know, in my head, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm about to be in seventh grade. Like I, I have status now. I, I know people. You know, I no disrespect. I'm not trying to be seen with all of you. I mean, it's you, it's mom. Y'all even have Marcus. His nose is running. Nah, I, I know people. And so, no, whole family's there. And so we're there in the store. And of course, I'm still getting yelled at because now we're fighting about the size of the clothes. Mind you, this is the early 2000s. And at this point in time, things are still baggy. That's what everybody's into. And so, of course... We're having a fight about the size of the clothes because I want to wear the bigger clothes that are a little bit more loose fitting and the school said they just have to be black or khaki, meaning they can be corduroys, they can be jeans, they can be khakis. They just have to be somewhat presentable. My father interpreted that as they need to be slacks or dress pants. And I'm in the store like, Dad, no, that's really not what they're saying. I promise you, it's really not. And I'm just like, Dad, no. And so he's fussing, we're fighting about the pants. And you know, I want to get sizes that are a little bit bigger because again, that's what's fashionable. And then the shirts, I want the bigger shirts. Dad, this is too tight. I, I want the bigger shirt. My Dad, what you mean something too tight? You don't even weigh nothing. Ain't nothing too tight for you. I'm like, Dad, this, this, this is the style, man. This is the style that we're all doing. And my father, what you know about style? You don't even iron your clothes. Boy, please, you need to clean your room. And then my mom is there, of course. She's cackling down. <laughs> just getting her little laughs in and everything. Marcus is ready to go because he's hungry. And so I'm just like, y'all. And so I'm annoyed. We're in the store. By the time we leave the store and get all the stuff, I'm pissed. Because I'm leaving the store with dress pants. I'm leaving the store with shirts that are pretty fitting, so I'm already like 80 freaking pounds at that point in time, and so I'm really going to look at now with these shirts that fit very, very well and everything, and I'm just annoyed because I know that I'm going to look stupid on the first week of school because Bobby already showed me what he got for school. You know, he done went, they done went to the mall and got the fun clothes. You know, they went to Old Navy and, and the Gap and stuff and got some, you know, some nice pants and stuff from there, and then they just got the shirts from the lineup because the lineup had shirts that had the school logo that would say, like, Cedar. Crest Junior High or the Chargers because that was our mascot so he just got that so you know Bobby and crew and all of them are going to be swagged out I'm going to be on there looking half crazy when I get to school so I'm already pissed off I'm like I swear this family they just don't understand how important this is to me and so one of the other things that was happening around this time there was this phone chat line called the loop 
I don't know if you guys remember this. This wasn't something that I think was available across the whole country. I feel like people in New York also had the loop. But the loop was, it was like this way to chat with people on like a chat line. And so some kids at this time were using like AOL Instant Messenger, but a lot of kids weren't on the internet like that either. And so the loop was like this free phone service. And so you would dial the number and you'd make your account. And all of this would be on the phone, on the landline, because none of us had cell phones. So we were on the landline and you'd be trying to make your account. And now your mom needs the internet. So you got to hang up and try again in 30 minutes or however long. And so you'd make the account and you could leave voice messages and everything like that. And then other kids, they would dial into the loop because this was for teenagers. Other kids would dial into the loop and, you know, it would play all the different people who were on and you could dial a certain number. And if you liked one of the girls that you heard, you could dial it. And if she accepted, she, you know, you could call each other and talk. And so one of the things all of us were doing at the time, like me, Bobby, some of Bobby's friends, like Patrick and all of them, everybody had this goal to like, oh, let's see how many girls we can get before school starts. So, you know, when we already come into the school, we, we already got the game on lock and everything. This is what didn't work for me. One, I was already very insecure about how I looked because one, like I said, I, I, I weighed literally nothing. I was the smallest thing walking at this point. Middle school is when I discovered that I wasn't the same size as everybody. And so around this time, I'm like 85, 90 pounds, five foot one. I have extremely long arms, very long legs. I'm a size 12 shoe. I have this big giant forehead. My teeth have not really aligned yet. So, you know, you know, when you get a certain age, they kind of sometimes your teeth will just look naturally straighten out in a line. At this point in time, I had a big giant gap and all my teeth were spread apart. There were just a bunch of things that I didn't like about myself, plus the clothes. All right. The clothes did not help at all. And so I already don't have a lot of confidence as well. And so I also hate my speaking voice around this time. I still do now, to be honest. I always hated that I didn't have one of those cool, you know, late night radio voices. I, I never had that. And so I always had this higher nasally kind of voice. And even today, sometimes people will comment on one of my videos and be like, oh, I had to stop watching. I couldn't stand your voice. And I'm like, yeah, F you too, mf -er. But, you know, I, today it works because I discovered that since it's not too deep and not too high, it's really good for doing imitations and stuff like that. It also really works um, with storytelling and even doing the music. It can allow me to do certain things, especially when it comes to like layering and stacking vocals. But going back to that time period, I had this very, very high nasally almost like Elmo from Sesame Street but not that extreme kind of voice and so I mm, I would freeze up talking to girls because I was so embarrassed and so I would try to force this deep dark tone that wasn't mine and it would only last for like two sentences and then my real voice would pop right back out and so Bobby would always be at the house or I'd be at his sometimes and maybe he had his friend Patrick or a few other people on we'd all pretty much call up the loop and you know put it on speaker and one of us would use our account and, and try to pull somebody and it was always the worst for me everybody else could just pull and, and have whole conversations with folks here I go I dial whatever and I found some account that I like and I don't know it's some girl her account username is blue 22 or some crap so I didn't hit up blue 22 and you know she was talking oh hey what's up you know where you from Oh, I'm from Spanaway. <laughs> and then they'd be like, click. <laughs> like, hello? Hello? Oh, phone battery must have died. You know, you know, these phones be dying. And so, like, every time I would get through to somebody, they would always hang up on me. And then one time I almost got somewhere. Like, there was, like, 
a conversation that lasted for like two minutes. She was like, oh, so what else do you like to do and stuff? And mind you, half the time we would hit girls that were definitely way older than us. They'd definitely be 15 or 16 and we'd be on there lying about our ages. Yeah, we're 15 and 16. And I couldn't get away with it because they would always be like, you sound like you're nine. I'm like, no, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just hanging out and stuff. That's it. <laughs> and so one time the girl's like, oh, so what are you doing? I'm like, oh, well. You know, I, I kind of just, I be chilling and I, you know, I build stuff with my Legos. Click. Hello? Hello? Hmm. Something about everybody in these phones that keep, they just keep dying. I don't know. And so Bobby and them would be just cackling down and they find it hilarious. So I was just like, it, it was a confidence killer. Just killer. Like, imagine getting, getting curved and they don't even know what you look like. <laughs> just your voice alone. They were like, no. <laughs> so school has started and it's been... An interesting experience. I didn't know what to make of it, so I just kind of went along with the punches and, and just went along with the ride. And so there were some things I noticed. One, well, one, the school had about eight or nine hundred students, but one of the things that the school did, because the building was just one big giant rectangle, the hallways upstairs were one way. You could only walk in one direction. And so that was an interesting experience. But the worst part was the downside would be if you had a locker. <laughs> you know, you have your locker, you go and get your stuff, but the class is to your right, but the direction that everybody's walking is to the left. You couldn't just walk really quick, like five steps to the right and go to the class that way, because if a teacher saw you, they would stop you and make you go all the way around, and you'd have to go around that entire school to get back to that one spot. It's kind of like when you missed the exit on the freeway, and now the GPS is like recalculating, and then it recalculates, and it adds another 39 minutes to the route, and you're like, What? Same kind of energy. So you'd always be late to class, and then, of course, you got to get a lunch detention for being late. And so that was one thing. But what I hated was, in seventh grade, you had to tuck in your shirt as well. I'm like, yeah. I'm already wearing slacks. Come on, work, work with me, people. And so... If you didn't have your shirt tucked in, you'd get a uniform infraction. And after enough uniform infractions, again, lunch detention. And so I'm like, well, that's stupid. Um, so, man, I, I did not like that either. But there were some things that were okay. As far as classes, I think I had two classes that I really, really loved. One was Mr. Holdaway's class. Mr. Holdaway was one of my, still is looking back, probably one of my favorite teachers I've had. He was the English and history teacher. We had this thing called block. And so he was my first and second period teacher. So the first hour would be, I think, um, the world cultures history class. And then the next hour was English or something like that. And so in this class, what was also cool, Brian, if you remember Brian from the previous episode, he was pretty much my best friend at the time. He was this big, giant Samoan kid. He and I were super, super tight. Still good friends today, which is really, really cool. And so he was in the class with me. And then oddly enough, another friend that would grow up to be one of my long-term friends growing up would also be in that class as well. And so... And then Patrick was in the class. Patrick was Bobby's friend I was telling you about earlier. But Mr. Holdway was just like this really, really easygoing, culturally aware teacher. And so you never felt like you were judged when you were in his class. He was very open-minded and accepting of who you were culturally. You didn't feel like he's the old white man that's about to send you to detention because he was definitely a lot older then. He probably was in his 60s when I was there. And I, he's still alive today. Or maybe he was like his late 50s or mid-50s. He's still alive today because I'm one of those weird people that adds their teachers that they liked on Facebook and everything. And so he's still, I think he's retired now, but he's definitely probably like in his 70s now. But he was just super, super cool. And back in the day before I went to the school he was like the music teacher and he would also be my track coach so he was kind of like that all-around teacher but 
around this time, I was obsessed with music. I loved music. I, I spent so much time just staring at MTV or BET, and I watched all the TV movies, The Temptations, Jackson 5, American Dream, and around that time, MTV had this parody movie called Together. I don't know if you remember that one, but it was pretty much a parody movie of like how the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC would have become a group. And so it was a movie about this guy that puts together a boy band. And so I was obsessed with being in a boy band. We've clearly gone this route before, because if you remember the Italy episodes, we, we had a boy band for the talent show, and then Ricky kicked me and Marcus out of the boy band, and he went solo and got third place in the talent show, and Marcus and I still performed and lost. <laughs> but I just had this obsession with being in a boy band, so Patrick Bryan and I started a boy band just for the class. It wasn't anything serious, but we would always just randomly sing in the corner and do all kind of random things. But guess what the name of the group was, and this is so cool. The group's name was just all of our first initials put together, BPM. Now, mind you, we didn't realize that in music terms, that means beats per minute. We just thought it meant, you know, Brian, Patrick, Michael. And, and even then, I was fighting because I didn't like that my name had to be the last one. I'm like, well, wait, now, I started this group. I was saying, why can't it be MVP? Because it sounds just like MVP. Duh, let's make it that. And Brian was like, no, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to do BPM. That makes the most sense. And I, that, fine, fine, whatever. But I'm still going to lead all the songs because I started the group. And well, if it's going to be that, I'm not going to be the group no more. Well, fine, all right, you can sing this part. Like, we took this crap so serious, but not serious at the same time. I was the one that was doing the most because I had a notebook of songs that I was writing. Like, I, I was taking this crap serious. So serious to the point where Mr. Holdaway used to let us perform for the class, which was really cool. And so, one time we performed exactly from that Stupid Together movie. There was a song called, um, what's the song? It's, what's the song? The hardest part of breaking up is getting back your stuff. It was like a really silly song, but we literally performed it in front of the whole class. And it was so funny. And then Mr. Holdaway even let us do an award ceremony, like the Grammys in class one time, which was pretty cool. And so, like, this other girl in the class had wrote down all these categories and passed it around. And then the students in the class voted. But there was nobody else in the class... <laughs> that had any kind of musical act so we were clearly the only nominees and everything and so we had to make other classmates become nominees for things that they didn't ask to be a part of so there was somebody that was like biggest hater because there was this girl named katie that just was she got on my freaking nerves man katie was like this white girl who just was like snooty and she was annoyed and why are they performing this is such a waste of class time and i can tell that her mom voted for george bush i just felt it in my spirit at the time because it was also that presidential election and everything was happening with Gorham Bush and uh, chaos so I just was like ugh, ugh. so you know we had an entire award ceremony during class like Mr. Holdaway was the coolest teacher I mean he, he didn't play around but he definitely appreciated the arts and stuff so he definitely would let you have your moment to shine now my favorite class like absolute favorite but it sucked because the class only lasted for three weeks drama one of the things they had for seventh graders because again this was a school that was 7th grade to ninth grade. They had this thing called exploratory where the 7th graders would get a chance to explore all of the electives that would be available when they go to 8th and ninth grade. And so you keep switching classes every three weeks during, I want to say, 6th period. And so you would go to drama, you would go to another class called drafting three weeks later, which was pretty much like architecture and, and, and drafting blueprints and stuff like that. Another three weeks would be shop, another three weeks would be some kind of reading class another one would be like creative writing there was a bunch of different ones but drama was my favorite i had this teacher named mr rockoff and when i tell you in that class you you couldn't get me to sit down like i just felt like i was in my element like I, finally i felt like i fit in because around this time i was already kind of 
out of the loop and I was watching my little circle of friends and stuff kind of shift and change because me and Bobby are still cool today but we weren't really we didn't never really grow up to be like great friends as adults or nothing like that and so by middle school Bobby's finding his crew I'm finding mine and so on and so forth and so theater was just where I could really cut up and just have a ball and we did a lot of improv games pretty much anything you saw on the TV show whose line is it anyway that's what we were doing in class and so I was really quick on my feet with like the humor and the jokes and everything like that so I had so much fun in that class and, and it balanced out because around that same time like I said like with Bobby and them they kind of went more into sports and I remember like Bobby and them they tried to convince me to try out for basketball but I was a little nervous because I was like man I haven't played basketball since like fourth or fifth grade I don't think I'm good enough and it wasn't that I sucked it's just I was just okay and I was really intimidated as well because again there's kids at the school that are 15 years old and they're 6'2 and here I am at like 5'1 and I know I'm not the best at this and when I did play basketball my flaw was I had such a strong left arm that every time I would shoot the ball would always go to the right because I had too much power on the left there wasn't a good balance and so my previous coach from when I used to actually play as like younger he would make me stand further to the left of the hoop to make sure the ball got in and so I was like okay funny story I ended up teaching myself how to just shoot with one hand like that's how I still shoot now and so it's funny I don't really play sports like that at work with the kids or nothing like that but every blue moon they'll be like Mr. Michael can you please all right all right I'll do a a few rounds and then that's it because so sometimes little kids think it's so cool because I'll shoot with just the one hand they're like oh my god but I won't play the teenagers because I'm not about to embarrass myself them kids will embarrass me so I'll just play with like them them upper elementary and throw a little shot and then go my merry way um and so that was a fun class now I'll tell you a class I did not like. <laughs> um, we had the assistant principal, this black lady, Miss Barnett. Absolutely loved this woman. Still love her today. Really, really great person. Just smooth. She was our sister Mary Clarence at the school. You know, there were only so many black staff members. As a matter of fact, seventh grade was when I had my first black teacher, period. Um, this guy named Mr. Robinson. He was my math teacher. I was in, I was a grade ahead for math. I was in this thing called um, pre- integrated and so for seventh grade you're supposed to be doing seventh grade math but I was doing really good I tested really high on some kind of state test the year before so they put me straight into pre-integrated so I was a year ahead of my peers and so Mr. Roberts Rob Mr. Robinson was my math teacher so that was my first black teacher and really he'd be one of two because I only had two black teachers until I got to um, college and so anyway Miss Barnett was the other black lady that worked at the school and so I she taught this sign language course for her three-week exploratory thing and now it was cool I liked the sign language it was fun you got to learn everything but she loves music as well and I think at her church she was like the choir director and so she did a lot of singing and so we learned sign language through singing and so she'd come to the class with her keyboard and her headset mic all right she was doing the whole Patrice Russian thing and so I remember when we had to learn the ABCs in sign language. She would turn that keyboard and on and crank it with the little prearranged song that would play, and then she'd get on there. Mom and Dad, I'm learning my ABCs. Come on, y'all. And then we'd have to sing it back. Mom and Dad, I'm learning my ABCs. And you'd have to like sign it while you're singing. Come on, from the heart. Mom and Dad, I'm learning. Come on, my ABCs. And it was so funny because she'd really make you have to sing it out and sign it at the same time. You couldn't do no half singing in there. She come on, sing it out, and you'd be. Mom and Dad, yeah, right there, climb on out, climb on out, sing it, sing it. I'm like, okay. So it was cool inside the classroom. It was fun. I had a good time. And then 
we discovered. She was like, you guys are going to actually perform one of these songs I teach you in front of the whole school in the lobby. So it wasn't during an assembly or anything like that, but literally the corridor or the lobby where everybody walks in. So at the end of the day, while everybody's going home and going to the buses, we would be in the lobby, that whole class, while she had her keyboard plugged up in the lobby with her headset mic, and we're standing all arranged like a choir, and we were supposed to sing this song as everybody was going home. I was like, oh... This is, this no, I, I, I don't want to do this. Now, mind you, it was fine when I was in Mr. Holdaway's class with my little boy band, because, you know, we're singing our little heartthrob songs, but now we're doing something super, super cheesy. We're singing a song from Sandy Patty. Some of you may remember it. It was this song called Love in Any Language, and we had to sign the entire song and sing it as she played on the keyboard and sang as well, because, again, like, she was a singer. She was going to get her solo in, too. <laughs> so... We rehearsed that song for about a week and a half, and then finally we had to do this thing in the in the lobby. And I was like, "This is gonna be so embarrassing," and I was praying to God that nobody I knew saw me. I was hoping everybody would go out the other door and go to the buses that day. But of course, it's like for some reason everybody had come to the front because they made the announcement on the intercom: "Make sure you guys pass by the front lobby to see a special surprise." I'm like, "Oh my God, oh my God!" <laughs> and so. We're out there singing and embarrassed and terrified and praying to God nobody sees us. But at this point, everybody's friends are now in the lobby and watching. Some are laughing. Some are trying to make you laugh so you can mess up and then they have something else to laugh at. And so we're up there half singing and we still have to sign. And mind you, we can't half do this because this is a part of the grade. So you got to come with it. And so, you know, we're up there mumbling. Loving any language. Because mind you, this is one of those power ballads from the late mid to late 1980s you know loving any language just up there nervous straight from the heart oh god let this be over pulls us all together and then meanwhile miss barnett oh no she had a keyboard set up she had that head mic she was overpowering all of us with the song it was like her own concert and we were like the backup at that point because she got up in loving any language straight from the heart like just singing over us you couldn't even hear us because she was so loud just she was really like going in for real like really like she felt the song and so we're just kind of standing there she's just going and once we learn to speak it come on y'all all the world will hear love in any language come on put your hands together fluent let's in here come on clap and like the kids are not clapping everybody's just staring and she, come on do it again fluent let's in here I'm like, yo, it was it was a lot. <laughs> it, it was a lot. I love Miss Barnett, though. I always appreciated her for that because she was also the, the principal that would sing at the Black History Month assemblies every February. She was really fun, but just you just didn't want to be the backing choir in front of the whole school while she's reliving her dream, and you got to be a part of it. You just did not want to participate. I don't know if my friend Alicia is listening, but she was in the class with me that time. I don't know if she remembers when we had to do this, but... um. Yeah, that, that was a, a funny, funny time. What was interesting about this time was that I started to notice that I was extremely sheltered. You know, I was very mature, oddly enough, in some instances, but I was also very sheltered. And I, it didn't really start to pop out to me until around that time period. And so exhibit one would be, I think, seventh or eighth grade. I want to say seventh grade, though was the first time I ever got to go trick-or-treating. And that was mainly because, again, we grew up in church. 
Halloween was not something that you celebrated because it was the devil's day and you'd go to hell and you couldn't even eat the candy because that was the devil's candy and if you ate it you would be so Halloween was never even on my radar as a kid I just learned to accept I couldn't participate so in elementary when the kids would put on the costumes and have the costume parade and stuff I'd have to go to a buddy room and you know look all miserable and everything but my mother loosened up around middle school and so I got to go trick-or-treating for the first time and so this is why I always said my brother had it better than me he swears that my parents were were tougher on him as he was a teenager I'm like no you you had a totally different experience to me because yeah she let him trick-or-treat too I was like oh really so anyway me and I think my friend Chris Chris was actually I don't know if I talked about him in the last episode but Chris lived down the street from me and so me and Chris were really good friends and what was also interesting was that his older sister Valerie was actually at Cedar Crest while I was there so when I was in seventh grade Valerie was in eighth grade Chris was still in sixth so he was still at Cameron's Prairie and so Valerie and I kind of became tight too and I was kind of tight with her whole family and I think I told this story before once but Valerie looked older than everybody else so my mom thought Valerie was like 18 or 19 or maybe even 17 and she paid Valerie one time to babysit me and my brother Mind you, me and Valerie got the same lunch. We sit at the same lunch table. I'm like, Mom, she's... Okay, and then Valerie and they're talking about, y'all need to go to sleep. Valerie, if you don't, <laughs> you don't go somewhere. But anyway, um, and I still keep up with them too. Those are some lifelong friends as well. But, um, yeah, so I remember we went trick-or-treating, but what was so, what was so funny with Marcus... Uh, my mom had to take him. I'm like, oh, you're taking him trick-or-treat? Oh, you, he's just living the life now. You know, when I was six, I was condemned to hell for getting some candy. Now he gets to... But anyway, he didn't have a costume because my mom wasn't going that far. She she was like, listen, I'm, I'm nice enough to let you go, so we're going to have to make something work. So she literally was like, we're just going to make you a line. And so she drew some whiskers on his face and threw one of her wigs on his head and sent him outside, and they went. And what was funny was nobody knew he was a lion. Everybody thought he was James Brown. So I guess when it's dark outside and you have the whiskers that are drawn on with her mascara maybe it looks like smile lines or frown lines so everybody thought he was James Brown and so it was kind of funny um but yeah that was interesting but speaking of Marcus my younger brother he also was starting kindergarten during this year and it was so funny because Marcus was at that school raising hell (laughs) just going through it at that school and he was one of those kids that was so excited to be in school that he just he ain't know how to sit down sometimes and it didn't help he had this teacher I don't remember her name but his teacher um, rode in a hover round around class. She couldn't really walk very well. So, you know, them kindergartners was running all around that class and she trying to ride around to get the kids together. And with the hover round, you got to be careful because you don't want to roll over the kids, you know, because the hover round does have some speed when you crank it into that next gear. And so Marcus used to get in so much trouble in his class. Like he always had a phone call home. But what was funny one time when it was spring break, he thought he was suspended because my parents told him he was suspended because he wasn't listening at school. And so he was so pissed because he loved school. And so, you know, we're on spring break, but he didn't understand that it was spring break. So he thought he was suspended. So he was just miserable every day. Like, can I go back now? My mom, nope. You ain't going back till next Monday. Why? Because you don't know how to act. So stop asking. It'd be Tuesday. Can I go back now? Nope. You ain't going back. But one of the things that happened around this time, there's so many funny conversations around food with my family. So I had this moment one time when my dad made me so, so mad. Honey buns were my favorite snack at that time. I could tear up some honey buns. Like, I used to love those things. And so one time, 
I had left for school and I, I took one to go. There were six left in the box. I took one for the walk to school because we had to walk to school. The school was probably like a 15 minute walk from the house. And so, and it's funny too, because this is back when you would put like plastic bags or Ziploc bags on your shoes so they wouldn't get muddy. Because again, like to get to the school, you had to leave the neighborhood, cut across this pond that we lived by. And then when you got across the pond and you'd cross the street and then go up this big field to get to the front of the school to get on the inside. But it was like a 15 minute walk. And so, yeah, you put like Ziploc bags or plastic grocery bags on your shoes because there were going to be some parts around the pond that were muddy and again it's washington state it rains all the time there's overcast skies all the time so when you're walking through a a pond that's surrounded by trees and grass there's lots of mud sometimes but anyway so you know i got my honey bun for the walk and I've, i've ate my honey bun i'm on the way home i'm home I have a taste for this honey. I taste it. I'm ready to go. And then I get to the kitchen, and as I'm getting ready to open the cabinet to get this, you know, delicious honey bun that I can taste, I look to the left. The honey bun box is in the trash. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why is there no honey bun? What? And I was so pissed because it was the one time I came home much later. Like I stayed after school for something. So it's like close to five o'clock when I'm getting home. So everybody's home at this point except for my mom. And so I'm annoyed. Like what the heck? Where did the honey buns go? So I'm thinking Marcus ate all of them. So Marcus, you ate all the honey buns? And Marcus was like, no, it was dead. Dad dad ate four of them. What? He ate four? What do you mean he ate four? Well, where's the last one? Oh, I had one too. Why did y'all eat all the... Oh my God, man. So I was so pissed and and really what set me off was my dad had just like went in on me like two days earlier because we had KFC for dinner and so I ended up eating KFC for breakfast the next morning and my dad just totally flipped when he came downstairs and he saw me eating like the big old chicken breast and I had this big old scoop of mashed potatoes and every why would you eat the KFC for breakfast you know that's gonna be the leftovers for them boy and I was like well I was hungry y'all said you fix something to eat that don't mean you gonna get the chicken <laughs> like look in our family food will start a fight right and so my dad the, the next time we get KFC your brother's getting noodles you get noodles you get ramen noodles since you just eat anything I swear to boy you don't be paying attention sometimes so I'm pissed because now I'm remembering how I got cussed out about the chicken and now here he go eating the kids snacks so I'm in my feelings all right Side note, I hate to talk about chicken on this. It feels so stereotypical, but it is what it is. Everybody eats chicken, so get over it. But anyway, um, I'm hot. So I was like, you know, I'm going to show y'all. And so the next time my mom went grocery shopping, she always had our snacks kind of divided. Like, you know, me and Marcus already knew. Whatever snacks my mom bought, you divided in half. Half for Marcus, half for me. I went and got a Sharpie. I wrote my name on everything that was my half to remind people, don't eat my half. That's why I was pissed with my dad because he ate four of the honey buns and at least two of them would have been my half. I'm like, dang, come on. And so I was like, I'm going to show y'all. I wrote my name. Do not touch. This is Michael's honey bun. This is Michael's nutter butter. This is Michael's oatmeal cream pot. These are Michael's Fritos. By the way, I'm the person that goes for the Fritos first in the variety pack of the chips. Everybody laughs at me when I says that. People think, like, why don't you go for, like, the Ruffles or Doritos or something? No, I, it's the Fritos for me, all right? So I done wrote my name on all this stuff. And so my parents discovered, and they think this crap is hilarious. They, <laughs> I know this boy who, who doesn't pay for anything, who ain't bought no... <laughs> he writing his name on... <laughs> okay, we're going to show him. And so I come home from school again because I think I don't know what I was doing I was doing something but I was doing after school I might have been doing track at this point and so they had Papa Murphy's for dinner Papa Murphy's 
was one of my favorite, favorite pizza spots. It's one of those places where you pick up the pizza and you put it in the oven. And, and I love a nice loaded pizza with everything on it. I mean, I want the pepperoni, the, 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 the sausage, the ham, the mushrooms, the onions, the olives, the peppers. Give me everything on it. Like the bacon bits if they got it. Like that stuff be hitting. So I come home pizza smelling good like you can smell it it's been in the oven cooking like they're they're already eating everybody everybody's in mid-chew and so i'm going i'm getting ready to get my piece my mom was like ah, ah, ah. i'm like huh what's the problem uh-uh go on and eat one of them little snacks you wrote your name on what but that that's for snack this is dinner oh no you you want to write your name on stuff like you pay for everything guess who paid for this pizza i don't want you having none go in the cabinet and get you one of the snacks and so i'm thinking she's just playing so i'm like yeah right so i'll get ready to get my plate now my dad ah, I wish you would reach for that, reach for that piece and watch what happened. And so I'm looking at them crazy, and my dad looking at me crazy too. I ain't playing, no. So I had to eat freaking honey buns and Fritos for dinner, <laughs> and like I was hot. I was like, y'all, listen. and and it doesn't help that Marcus is the worst at egging things on, and so he's just eating. Mom, this bitch is so good. Mm, oh my god, it's so good, Mom. It, this is the best pizza we've ever had. I'm just like, I I can't stand this family sometimes. I swear, just. <laughs> And it's so funny because speaking of my brother when it comes to food, Marcus was known for splurging on the snacks. He'd often sneak downstairs in the kitchen at like 11 o'clock at night and just go just go in and be eating up everything and then all the snacks be gone. And so my dad got frustrated one time because he kept trying to figure out why did all the snacks just disappear? Like, why would they go grocery shopping and then everything would be gone in a week? Like, how are y'all eating all this food? Because, Michael, you don't even weigh anything. I know you eat a lot, but still, ain't, ain't nobody eating that much in the world for this stuff to keep disappearing. These groceries ain't cheap. So he bought this special cabinet for the snacks and this was a cabinet that he would end up putting a lock on and so he put the lock on the cabinet and mind you he, he would ration out whatever our snacks were going to be for the day so if it was going to be the honey button it was already on the table waiting for you and everything like that and then the cabinet would be locked and then he and my mom had the key and so Marcus one of the other things my mom always made us breakfast before we left for school so sometimes it only happened for like a year though afterwards she was like forget it I ain't about to do this for y'all know every day so but you know sometimes you'd actually get a nice little breakfast with some little eggs and a little biscuit or something and some days it was just cereal or oatmeal or something and so for about a year because her schedule had shifted for a little bit she always made us breakfast before we left and before Marcus went to school and so Marcus would still go to school and also get breakfast now my mom only gave us money for one or the other like if you if you weren't gonna eat you know breakfast at home then okay eat breakfast at school and you need to bring your own lunch or you know eat lunch at school and eat breakfast at home so Marcus would eat breakfast at home and then eat breakfast at school and then not have any lunch money and so for a few weeks he'd continue to go to the lunch line with no money and no lunch that he brought from home because he would never tell my mom that he was planning to eat breakfast and so he'd always go to the lunch line and then beg for food and the school will give you a sandwich or something you know those first few times but after a few weeks it starts to become somewhat of a red flag and so they took him to the counselor's office and they're like, you know, what's the issue? How come you're never eating? Is everything okay? And he tells the school that he doesn't eat at home. He doesn't get fed. <laughs> Listen, this crap gets so crazy. The school opens like this whole investigation into our entire household. And so when the CPS people come by the house, the first thing they see is the cabinet with the lock on it with all the food on the inside and everything and everything rationed out. And then you see me standing there, and I'm all of 85 pounds and everything. And so the woman with the little clipboard is like, how old are you? And I'm like, 12. And I'm sure in her head, she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. These children are practically starving. And it doesn't help. My father is pissed off. He's hot. Like, his temper is all over the place right now because he's like, this is some 
who? And it doesn't help that he's like six feet, six foot one, 260 pounds. So clearly he's not missing any meals. And then my mother at this point, she's no longer in the army. She's retired. So she doesn't have to do PT every morning and everything like that. She's putting on the happy retirement weight and everything like that. So you have these two adults and it looks like, okay, the two adults are eating well. You have me who I'm looking like feed the earth. And then of course there's Marcus. It was a lot. Oh, listen. Oh, Marcus. Oh, and my dad, oh, they wanted to get, and they couldn't even get him. They couldn't even get him the way they wanted to because they're like, boy. And so it ends up getting dismissed because they're like, do y'all not see? Because mind you, Marcus had one of these big old pot belly stomachs. Like, Marcus ain't missing no meals. And so I don't know. I don't know if the people at the school thought maybe, oh, it's Quashacore. He just hasn't eaten at all. And that's why his stomach is stretched. We need to make sure he's okay. But I was like, Marcus ain't missing no meals. And so... Oh, it was chaos, but all of that got thrown out and cleared up, and it was just some miscommunication. My parents explained to the lady that came, because, I mean, the CPS thing happened, like, two days after he told the school. Like, the school gave a call to the house about what was going on and let us know that there was going to be somebody coming by to ask some questions, but my parents didn't know what the questions were going to be. So they were the whole week, they were cussing me and Marcus out, asking what happened, you know, what did y'all going to fight or something? Nobody's telling us anything. And so all of that got cleared up, but, yo, I was like, man, Marcus, you boy it was that was the time then my mother's oldest sister came to town once just to sum things up really quick at that same time my mother had thyroid cancer and so she was kind of battling that and so she had to go into surgery and they had to cut half of her thyroid off and that was a very scary time too because to do the operation they have to literally stop your heartbeat in order to do everything and some other stuff so it was a weird time I'm not going to spend too much time on it because I started getting all emotional when I started thinking like dang both my parents had all kind of problems but anyway um, my mother had had the surgery and all was well and so my aunt flew into town now this is the aunt that is the big time lawyer but what's so funny is when she comes to town oh we must do different things around the house and so at that moment she wanted to paint oh we have got to paint this house oh my god wait, this wall here I, I see I see like a nice a deep red color for this wall and that wall there and we can just and like it used to piss my parents off because every time she came to the house something would get done to the house that they didn't ask for and so my mother at this point was too sick to say no because she's pretty much on like bed rest upstairs and taking pills and you know calling somebody upstairs every five minutes to get her water and my father I think at this time he probably was at work because he still worked at the window factory he used to work at Milgard Windows and also at this time we had just got a dog that my mother did not approve of like I was at school I was in one of my classes I think the teacher's name was Mr. Hoover I was in Mr. Hoover's class and he was like I have something for you guys and so he comes in he brings this big box in the box there's like seven puppies and these are border collie Labrador mixes and I'm like oh these are the coolest thing like they and they were like brand new puppies and so he let them all out of the box and all of them they were so young that they didn't even run around they just laid down in place I was like oh my god I want one I want one because we used to have two dogs we had a dog named Cruiser and we had a dog named Buck and what's really petty, my mother has never liked dogs. She's not a dog person. And my dad got us two dogs once, Cruiser and Buck. And he was so petty because Buck is the nickname that my mother hates. Her sisters used to call her Buck because they felt like when she was a kid, she reminded them of Buckwheat from the Little Rascals because of how the girls all used to wear their plaits when they were little in that family or in the family. And so he was petty and named the dog Buck. So <laughs> Buck and Cruiser didn't last too long at our house. But my mother was never a dog person and so I'm like oh my gosh and so the guy the teacher was like okay so this these are the puppies from my neighbor's farm and they're actually giving them away um they can be yours if you have parent permission and so 
I locked eyes with one of them. I was like, oh, I want that one so bad. They, like, we just locked eyes. I'm like, this, this dog is for me. It's my calling. I feel it in my spirit. And so, like, I called my mom, knowing that she, like, knowing she half sick at home. Uh, can we get a dog? And my mom's like, what? Why did you just say to me? Get the dog out of your mind. You're not getting a dog out of your mind. Don't get a dad. And so she pretty much said, my answer is no, but ask your dad. And so I get on the phone with my dad, and he already don't like me calling him at work. But th- that time I was like, Yeah, you don't understand, Dad. Like this is the, it's the coolest dog. I'm gonna take such good care of this dog. I mean, he's gonna be such a good dog. It's the dad. You're gonna love him. Please, please, please. Oh my God, please. And my dad already kind of wanted a dog anyway, so he was like, You know what? We'll try it. But this is gonna be your responsibility. Everything. This is all on you. All right. And so the school, they literally let me walk home with the dog after I got it signed off at the end of school. So I literally walked home with this dog and then boom, we had the dog. Dog's name was Cisco, named after San Francisco, because as a kid, that was my dad's favorite city to go to as a child. Everybody thought he was named after the singer Cisco, because that's around the same time Thong Song and stuff was out. Um, But anyway, so Cisco was a a lovely, lovely puppy. Loved that dog. Loved that dog. I remember the first night we had him. Um, he howled and howled because my mother didn't want him anywhere in the house so she put him in a box and put him in the bathroom when we went to bed because he didn't even have a kennel yet she was like I don't want him tearing up and chewing up my house chewing up all my good furniture and so Cisco howled and hollered and hollered in that bathroom so I remember I went downstairs and I picked him up and took him in my room and he slept in the bed with me oh me and that dog bonded I love that dog but anyway fast forward at this point Cisco's like six months old so he's gotten bigger he's running around he's at that stage where they tear up everything and just all over the place and so so like I was saying lawyer aunt is in town and she's here to to paint and also be of assistance to my mother if she needs it and make sure that the kids are well behaved and everything like that and it's so funny because Cisco is driving her crazy because one she is also not a dog person actually none of my mother and her sisters are dog people and so Cisco wasn't even fully his full size yet but he was still a pretty big dog and I just remember when she came in the door and you know dogs run to the door and you know oh, oh, oh my god oh buck buck oh you have a dog oh oh, oh, oh. she's like she's like very very bougie it's so funny like oh, oh. I'm like you y'all act like y'all ain't from Savannah okay during Jim Crow at that <laughs> save the bougie-ness but anyway um so we end up going to Kmart and getting this paint my aunt is like oh michael your mother's gonna love this red oh this is gonna just be amazing i can just see it and i have some gold artwork that i'm gonna put on this wall we're gonna just me you know i'm like okay cool but i'm excited because i like to paint and use the roller brushes and stuff so i'm down with it now mind you she has not really run this by my father and she told it to my mother but like i said my mother's on so many meds at this point she doesn't know what day of the week it is and so she has created this entire art project and she wanted to paint the hallway like when you come into the house there's this hallway you walk through and so she wanted to paint that entire hallway this really deep red color and if we had time we'd also do the bathroom another color as well and so you know we get this paint from Kmart and we get in there and get the painting and rolling it's me and her just doing all the painting she's already told Marcus to go sit down somewhere because he can't help because he's gonna mess everything up so go sit down go play with your toys and of course Marcus Marcus is gonna be Marcus and so Marcus is playing with Cisco (laughs) two of them are just running and having a ball and what happens aunt is standing on a stepladder trying to paint like the upper parts of the wall and Marcus and Cisco run past her on the little stepladder and it makes the ladder like rock and so she doesn't fall but it makes her like slip something in her lower back so now she's oh my oh, oh, Marcus Marcus I, I 
said to sit down somewhere. Oh my God. Oh. And so her back is all hurting. So she's taking a break and everything. Cisco, when he ran past her, he rubbed against the wall. So the whole like left side of Cisco is red and everything. Marcus has red paint on his side too and everything. And then it doesn't help that Cisco sits right on the stairs. The stairs has carpet and the carpet is this charcoal gray color. So now the same side that Cisco is now laying on, it, that's the part with the paint and it's in the carpet. I was like, Lord. And so we're trying to shampoo the paint out of the carpet and we're trying to get all of this right before my father comes home and flips out because he doesn't even know that we're going to be painting anything and my mother has no idea what's happening downstairs and everything so Marcus is getting fussed at Cisco Cisco has to go outside and um, I think I was trying to rinse Cisco down with the hose out back and everything because I couldn't take him upstairs and, and bathe him in the tub because then my mother would know we're doing something crazy downstairs it, 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 it was wild and then the worst part now that my aunt's back was all messed up I had to paint the high parts on a stepladder, but I couldn't reach the top because I wasn't that tall. My aunt was like 5'10". I was, again, five foot feet tall. And so she, Michael, you have to reach. Reach with the roller. I am reaching. Reach higher. Roll. Roll. You have to double down. You see, up, down, up, down, up, down, over, over. And I'm annoyed, like, all right, you know what? That, that hallway looked so terrible. Looked terrible. And mind you, she thought we did okay. So, you know, my father comes home. He is hot. He, what did y'all do to my... He ended up having to go and paint over everything. But you know what? They actually ended up liking the hallway once my father went over it. And, you know, he did his final touches. Because whatever we did, it was a mess. And it was all kind of paint in the carpet. It, it was a lot. My dad was like, look, the next time y'all get sick, don't have none of your family come here. Just, we, I got it. I got it. Like, jeez. And then Walmart came to town. Now, this was a big deal at the time because, like I said in a previous podcast, during that time period, Spanaway, there wasn't a lot going on there. There really still isn't now. But at the time, there really wasn't anything going on because it's this small military suburb. And so the only thing out there is a bunch of subdivisions and farmland. And so the only thing to do, because, again, this isn't a city. There's no mayor. There's no downtown. If there was a downtown... It was this shopping center called Pacific Commons that had, at the time, like Kmart, um, a Dairy Queen, a nail salon, a Mexican restaurant, a pet store, a grocery store, this store called Factory to You, and another store called Fashion Bug. That was about it. And that really wasn't downtown. That was just a shopping center. But literally, that was all there was to do. And so... For kids that, you know, didn't have cars and couldn't get in their car and go to Lakewood or Tacoma or further out to Seattle, the only thing you could do at that time was go to each other's house and hang out with friends, ride bikes, and and ride through all the million subdivisions that were there, Um, go to the pond, I don't know if I said that already, and the other option was you went to the McDonald's. There was this McDonald's Chevron. You know how sometimes they have the businesses where the McDonald's is hooked to the Chevron? We had one of those, so you could go to that. And kids would often get their McDonald's and then there was this big open lot that was just empty with nothing but gravel and these huge rocks that were the size of couches. And kids would go sometimes and sit on those rocks all day for hours at a time. It wasn't really the best place to really hang out though, depending on what time it was, because that's where all the kids would go to do drugs and stuff like that. Because again, this is this is Spanaway. This is Pierce County, Washington. And Pierce County is known for being one of the top areas for meth and all kind of other things. And so, yeah, there's a lot going on sometimes. Spanaway was a very unique town because it's pretty much a working class suburb, but there's also a, a decent middle class 
um, population because of people's proximity to the military or to Microsoft. But, you know, it's pretty much, I look at Spanaway like an episode of Roseanne or the town that they were on in that show. That's what I always look at Spanaway as, um, at least in those early years. It kind of got a little bit more developed over time. But, yeah, there wasn't a lot to do. So when Walmart came, oh, it, it was a big deal. So they had been working on it for like a year. And when it opened, all of us were like, oh, this is going to be the spot to hang out. Like, imagine hanging out at Walmart. <laughs> but no, we, we used to go to this Walmart, and we used to drive the staff in that Walmart crazy because Walmart was our place to play hide-and-seek as teenagers. It would be so much fun. I mean, we would just go in that store like 15 or 16 deep and, and just go for it and like, run and hide in, in the clothes. I I don't know if you remember, like, Walmart has that, that big old giant crate with the pillows that's like eight feet tall and you open it and pull the pillow I would climb inside of the pillow crate and get deep down in there I mean kids we, we were everywhere the way that they used to kick us out of that store every week and then it got to the point where they had to start taking kids pictures I was like okay I don't want to be one of those kids so Walmart as the hiding and seek spot only lasted for about three weeks but those were some really fun three weeks like it was a lot and I mean you we would be getting in the carts and pushing the carts and running and people hey 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 cut it out like just out of control and then I remember the school dances. Now, these were always fun. This was probably my highlight of middle school. I, I would be so pressed to get to the dance because that would be the one time I finally could do something right. Because, I, again, I taught myself to dance at this point. And I used to watch all the Michael Jackson tapes and the Janet tapes. And then with Brian being my best friend, he breakdanced. And I remember we used to go to each other's houses and he'd put on, you know, all this music. And we'd be trying to do all these different moves. And he'd be trying to show me how to do the Flare 90 and how to head spin. And I couldn't do none of that crap because I just was not cool. Coordinated, but I could do the other stuff and so you know the dances at the time in middle school other kids went there because it was the moment to go and gyrate on each other for me I thought it was gonna be that was my my stage you know um, but at the same time it also was my moment to go in and run and dry hump all the girls at the thing too and so I remember there was one dance where Okay, the school had this rule where at the dances, if the teachers caught you dancing inappropriately with each other, you had to go upstairs and sit on what was the naughty couch for like 15 minutes. And then they send you back downstairs. And so there was this one particular night I was just having a ball, like it, it was just lit. And so, and I don't know why they do this because they'll play all the songs that you know the kids are gonna just turn up to in, in all kind of ways, but then get mad because the kids dance a certain way. And so, you know, this is the prime uh, of cash money taking over for the nine, nine and the 2000. Like that song had just come out maybe a year or two earlier. So, you know, they, the DJ would play that song. And of course the kids are gonna run and, and get to dry rating and humping on each other and grinding and roll, rolling on the floor and everything. They play that, everything from cash money they were playing they were playing everything from No Limit. They were mystical, shake it fast. I'm saying the clean version. Like, they'd play all of these songs. So, of course, <clears throat> you have these hormonal teenagers, and we're in there just wild as I don't know what. So, that particular night, I got sent to the couch like four times, like four good times. And so, and I was wearing it like a badge of honor. Yep. <laughs> what up, y'all? And <laughs> they, they sent me up here again. <laughs> and so, one of the administrators at the school was like, all right, Michael, we're going to have to call home. This is out of control. And then it was like my whole world cried. What? Oh, my God. Oh. Like, all of the little swagger that I thought I had went away just disappeared because I'm picturing how this is going to play out. Again, I am a child that has been raised Kojic. 
everything in our household is a sin. I couldn't go to the TLC fan mail concert in sixth grade because my mother said the rapture could come and, you know, they'd be on stage shaking and, you know, if you're in the crowd while the rapture comes, you're gonna go to hell right there with them. And so, no, you're not going to the TLC concert. You couldn't trick or treat until you were almost 13, you know. There was just, so I'm like, Lord, they're gonna get a call that I'm out here practically fornicating on the floor in the school. Uh, I just knew it was gonna be hell to pay like I knew my mother and father were gonna flip and so I'm freaking out like wait what no I, I'm done I'm not even gonna do it no more I'm, I'm not even doing it no more I, I promise you I'm done oh no it's too too late we've, we've talked to you too many times about this and you do this at every day you, we're gonna it's we need to call home it's time for you to just go home I flipped out and mind you I live in walking distance from the school I really could have just <laughs> left and just went home but because it's not like the woman knew my name or anything at the time I mean she knew my name but she didn't know like my last name or what to look up she just knew I was Michael and so I easily could have just ran and went home but I'm sure they would have followed up and got me later that following Monday and so I'm in there freaking out oh my god and and what's crazy is I'm not the only kid upstairs at the couch there's like eight other kids at the naughty couch you know they're waiting to go back downstairs and continue and do exactly the same thing I was just doing I'm having this meltdown because I see that I'm going to, like my life is over. I'm in so much trouble and it, it's not even as deep, but I, I'm so dramatic and oh my God, oh my God, why? I'm just, we're just having fun. Are you guys, are you, are you trying to kill me? Are you, do you know who my parents are? Like everything. And so it's the wildest thing. My saving grace that night was Miss Barnett. <laughs> the same principle that I was making fun of earlier with the keyboard and the head mic. She came out, I was like, Michael, come here, come here, come, come, come here. So she took me in her little office. B baby, listen, you need to mind your pelvic area at these dances. I know your mother. Do you, I, does she let you dance like that at the house? You know, and I, mind you, at this point, I think I'm crying because I, I just, now I'm thinking I'm half suspended and everything. I was going through it. <laughs> like, no, not, not at all. <laughs> like, it, it's so embarrassing. I was such a punk that night, such a punk. Um, and so long story short, she just pretty much gave me a slap on the wrist. I was like, go, go somewhere. But she was like, don't let them catch you doing that again because I'm not going to save you this time. And so the rest of the dance, I'm just downstairs in, in shock. <laughs> no, eyes are bloodshot red. You know, everybody, Michael, you good? Yeah, I'm fine. It's the, the, the fog on the floor is getting my eyes. It's making my eyes burn a little bit. Meanwhile, I, I, I'd have just been through it. You know, and I'm one of those people where after you cry, you get a headache. Like, my head was in there hurting in that gym. <laughs> I know, it was funny. And I, I remember there was another dance. I think this was the Halloween dance. And, like, Brian had spent the night that night. And so Brian was obsessed with wrestling. And so he had put this stuff on his face he looked like Kane uh the wrestler but he had to put this makeup on it looked like Kane um the wrestler so it was like either it, either it was red and white or black and white I can't remember and so we've gone to the dance and everything and mind you the only beef I had with Brian again is because Brian was already built like an adult like you know he looked like he was 19 to 20 years old and then there's me who I look like I'm seven or eight or nine well maybe not seven I look like I was about 10 um and so you know Brian all of the girls were just obsessed with Brian and I used to think that, okay, well, at least because he and I are friends, at least at least one of them are going to look in my direction. Oh, no, absolutely not. I, I was not I, I was not a factor at all <laughs> for pretty much all of middle school and pretty much high school as well. Nobody was checking for me like that. And it would be so crazy because we'd get to these dances. And it was like it was almost like the girls were like almost in line to dance with Brian. I'm like, I'm right here. And, and somebody once was like, yeah, you and Brian were like Shrek and Donkey. Like, that's what y'all reminded me of. Like, Brian is the big giant dude. And then here's you, the little loud mouth, scrawny guy making all this noise, getting on everybody's nerves. I'm like, damn. Okay. But one time we went to the dance and everything. And Brian has spent the night. And so um, when we came home, 
And this had to be the Halloween dance because he had that, that stuff on his face. I just remember, one, he halfway scared my mom when she came in because, again, he's like this adult-looking child. <laughs> so my mom opened the door and came in. And, like, we came home after the dance. It was like, you know, 9 o'clock. And I remember she came in. Oh, ooh. Huh. Hello, Brian. Hello, Brian. And so Brian had, like, laid on the couch in the living room. And so my mom and I were in the kitchen. And, like, it's all one big open space. So you can see the kitchen from the living room. And so Brian's on the couch and kind of, like, took like somewhat of a, a fakish light nap and so I was in the kitchen I was like oh mom can I get the pretzels out the cabinet it's like oh yeah go ahead but use the chair and now the pretzels were at the very very top cabinet way over me I didn't feel like grabbing the chair so I was like oh I'll just keep jumping and grabbing the pretzels she's like Michael just get the chair get the chair Michael oh no I got it I got it I got it I, I can get it I can get it so I'm jumping and jumping and then I finally you know you keep reaching and the bag keeps sliding further back into the cabinet and I finally I'm able to grab I'm like yes I got it and so I get it and when I grab the bag I've grabbed the open side of the bag and so all of the pretzels just fall straight like on my head on my shoulder hit the floor they spread out everywhere my mom is so annoyed Michael did I say get the chair you don't listen you don't listen and Cisco has run in so of course Cisco's getting all the pretzels get the dog Michael stop him getting the pretzels and I'm trying to stop Cisco from getting the pretzels and Cisco see I told you you don't pay attention swipe up all these pretzels get the get Cisco, go to the garage. So Cisco runs into the garage and everything. Mom is cussing me out and everything. And poor Brian, Brian is on the chair pretending to be asleep. And I know he wants to just bust out laughing so bad because it really was funny. And so my mother has chewed me out. And you're always doing something. And you better sweep up every one of these pretzels. I bet not see one pretzel on the floor. One pretzel. Now I had another one because I don't do roaches. I keep a clean house. We're not having nothing nasty in this house. We can't have nothing. I just bought them pretzels. You're dark. Like just going off about these pretzels. So she finally goes upstairs and everything. I look at Brian. As soon as he realized my mother was all the way upstairs, the way Brian fell out dying. Like it was one of those good laughs where you just laugh for five minutes. Those are like the best laughs when you and your friend, you you get in trouble with your parents while the friend is there and you got to kind of keep or your friend has to kind of keep their composure because they don't want to laugh and get in trouble too because you know once you come close enough with other friends and everything like that their parents will cuss your friends out too and so um it, it was wild it was that was the funniest night like brian and i were just laughing about that like a month ago i was like remember that time i spilled them pretzels on the floor and my mom cussed me out and you were still in the living room <laughs> funny times overall seventh grade was it was all right it wasn't the best time and, and what's funny is i had to go back and look at pictures and just have random phone conversations to kind of even remember some of this stuff because for some reason it seems like I mentally blocked out a lot of that time period it just it, it wasn't anything to be super excited about but you know overall it wasn't too terrible it just wasn't a great time even my grades were so-so like if you remember the previous episode I was talking about how I had straight A's the entire time and I was testing out of stuff and all of this advanced this and advanced that none of that was happening in middle school minus the, the math class I was in and so I had just pretty much a bunch of B's and C's for 7th grade, like my grades kind of dropped a little bit. Um, Socially, you know, I had my handful of friends, but I was pretty under the radar. A lot of people didn't really know who I was like that. And again, I think because I was kind of insecure in my appearance and stuff, I, I kept a low profile in most moments, aside from maybe being in drama class or anything where there was some kind of performance related thing, then, you know, okay, I was a little bit more well known. Um, I did do track, which was pretty cool. Um, I was always really good at track and I was good at the jumps. And so I did the long jump, the triple jump, the high jump, 
and the hurdles. And so I could jump in. I don't know, something about having long legs and long feet. You can do all kind of jumping and, and hit heights that you don't normally hit if you just, you know, got it. You build a different way. And so I was tearing up some track. Now, the only thing that sucked about track with, with the hurdles was that our school had the old hurdles, the ones that had the wood at the top, not the plastic. So if you hit your knee on that wood hurdle, you, you were done for the day. It wasn't going to be any more running. You're you going to have to sit out because that was some pain that you can't even describe. Um, and I met some cool people. Like, oddly enough, there's a few lifelong friends I, I did pretty much make around that time. So Brian, of course, I met in sixth grade, and he and I still are, are pretty tight. Um, I think I mentioned this girl, Alicia, who, again, we still are in communication years later. Uh, there was this other girl, Carlisa, who was actually really cool. Now, mind you, we didn't meet on the best terms. <laughs> like, my my introduction to Carlisa was I got kicked in the back and she threw a book in my face. <laughs> so what happened? Remember how I said me, Pratt, Patrick, and Brian had the little boy band, the BPM? We used to always randomly, you know, sing in the corner and dance and do some little song. And this one day I was doing some little dance and I kept throwing my little crotch in her face, shaking my butt in her face. She was like, look, I'm going to tell you one more time. Stop doing that. Don't don't do that crap in my like move over there. And you know, I wasn't paying her no attention. Whatever Carly said. So I'm doing it, doing whatever I do. I just feel this this pain. Just quack. I'm like, what's what's that? I just I just knew I was on the floor, like winded, like wind knocked out of me. I'm like, what happened? And then I get up and then a book comes straight to my face. Quack! I'm like, oh no, what the heck, Carlisa? What? What? She was like, I told you I'm not playing with you. Don't be doing that. Don't, don't do that around me. Move. I'm like, oh my God. What? Yo. Like, it was so funny, but it's funny because we're like good friends now. And oddly enough, Carlisa, I said this about this other girl, Sophia, too, because they're like really close friends. But like, Carlisa, she has been to every comedy show I have ever done, um, at least in Washington State. Like, she was a real role dog. Like, even before I had an online presence and before I started building all these different things, she has been supportive of everything. We would carpool. It didn't matter if the comedy show was two and a half hours away. She was down for the ride. Every comedy show she was at, you know, and, and so it's kind of cool that we're still tight. We only get to really talk and have a real conversation like once a year. We're both Leos and our birthdays are about a week apart. So we always do that annual phone call like you know catch up um but yeah i i i think there's still like a permanent scar on like my back from that i don't know what kind of shoes she was wearing i'm like dang girl what you got on some steel toes like what <laughs> so really really funny so seventh grade would be cool it was kind of just that transitionary experience because i will say eighth and ninth grade were a lot better of the middle school years i think my favorite year probably was eighth grade that was a lot of fun we had a lot of fun in eighth grade and i think it was because i was hanging with the ninth graders as well and so i met a bunch of friends from that group and that collective as well and so yeah eighth grade would go on to be the fun year like that'd be a funny podcast because there's some some wild stories in that one too um especially coming from the track team long stories but we'll get into them anyway until next time i'm out